From crypto winter to crypto geopolitics, from ChatGPT to AI avatars, from zero-proof identity to CBDCs and new forms of GovTech. Join inventors, artists, musicians, gamers, bankers, policymakers, and rebels for a discussion on how technology is reshaping our world. From our offices in Dubai, this is the UAE Tech Podcast. There are quite a lot of people in Web3 who are trying to, to revolutionize the world. And we are like teenagers trying to do the revolution and saying that our fathers from Web2 do not do not understand anything, right? So, so this is a, you know, this crypto rebellion. And, um, yeah. and from that standpoint, uh, I think it is time for us to grow up and say that, well, actually Web2 companies know how to do at least some of the things. Uh, Web2 companies are very well aware of the user engagement. They are very well aware about great user experience. And uh, Web3 and blockchain completely failed in, in this stuff. In all discussions on technology, there are the revolutionary utopians and the pragmatic realists. Both camps are often critical of each other. For one group, blockchain is a revolutionary technology about to reshape history and geopolitics. For the second, it has the as yet largely unrealized potential to solve the question of trust on the internet. It's a mere operational efficiency for this group, not a new system of trust between people and government or a replacement for the petrodollar. Alex Shevchenko, the CEO and co-founder of Aurora, doesn't fit neatly into either of these camps. He believes blockchain developers urgently need to learn from and assimilate with the best of Web2 particularly when it comes to consumer acquisition and UX. At the same time, he clearly believes the significance of blockchain goes beyond mere economics. Today we are talking to Alex Shevchenko, CEO of Aurora. Alex, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me here. So could you give us a quick introduction to what is Aurora and how you got into this space? So I'm a techie, I'm a PhD, I got my PhD in applied physics and math and uh, was doing the calculations of oil fields on many computers, on big, super big computers that are called clusters. And uh, that actually paved my way into blockchain vertical where again, pretty large computers or distributed systems are calculating, uh, are jointly solving the same problem. Uh, but the problem here is a little bit different. And this is the problem of, uh, of ensuring the trust. Uh, since 2015, I've, I'm in a blockchain uh, vertical. And uh, uh, since uh, 2021, I'm working on a project that is called Aurora. Uh, and this is an EVM compatible solution that is working on top of near protocol. Uh, the goal of the infrastructure that we are building is to make sure that any business in the world is able to uh, get this trait of, uh, of blockchain um, inside of their uh, value proposition. Um, and uh, yeah, and that's, that's literally what we're doing. So developing this set of products uh, around the blockchain to make sure that it is easy to transform the businesses into the blockchain world. Okay, so we'll go into some of that near protocol, the dApps, 
a little bit later. And I think some of the community might be interested in that. But to begin with, I wanted to hone in on a talk you gave, which is kind of fascinating at Consensus, not that long ago, actually. I think it was pretty recently put up on YouTube. And you said something that was very interesting. You said that, well, you said a number of things, but to summarize, you you basically talked about the crypto market cap over a decade. And you said, you know, at the time when you're giving uh, the discussion, it was 1.2 um, trillion, I think. And then you talked about the market cap of Apple, which is 2.66 trillion. And you basically said, look, we've been doing this a decade and the combined worth of our industry is still less than Apple. And that seemed to be for you a segue into the argument that we need to work alongside Web2 rather than being antagonistic towards it. Um, is that a correct summary of your argument? And and what's led you to that kind of um, business insight or that kind of journey for what some of what Aurora wants to do? Uh, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, you you spotted it uh, really really well. From my point of view, uh, there are quite a lot of people in Web three who are trying to to revolutionize the world, and we are like teenagers trying to do the revolution and saying that our fathers from Web two don't do not understand anything, right? So so this is a you know this crypto rebellion. And um, yeah. and from that standpoint, uh, I think it is time for us to grow up and say that, well, actually, Web2 companies know how to do at least some of the things. Uh, Web2 companies are very well aware of the user engagement. They are very well aware about great user experience. And uh, Web3 and blockchain completely failed in, in this stuff. So yeah, our users are not quite users. More, it is more investors that are investing and trying to you know, find somebody to liquidate their positions. Uh, that's the typical setup. Our user experience with stock transactions, per transaction payments, uh, you know, all of these things, it is quite complicated. And we didn't figure out how to how to solve this. So from my point of view, instead of uh, saying that all of this Web2 world, uh, we need to deprecate it, we need to, uh, you know, put it in a trash bin. Instead of saying so, let's use our ideas, let's use the best ideas of the Web2 and let's try to combine this so together we can get to a better position of the world with a trustless baseline of a blockchain. However, with all of the great things that Web2 has been working on for uh, decades. Wow, that is actually a new argument on the UAE Tech podcast. We've had both sides of this. So we've had, I think we discussed before the call, we've had the John McAfee side, which is kind of the pure blockchain revolutionaries, the kind of lovable rebels that everyone kind of uh, loves socially from the blockchain community. On the other side, we've had the the CEOs and the somber business people who sort of argue, look, decentralization sounds great, but we don't understand how that makes money for us. You know, lovely. How does it work? And now we've got you in the middle. And so this is a, a new conversation in, for the entire series. I guess it's worth going into some detail on it, though, because... This could be a theme going forwards 
So listening to your talk, you kind of implied that a key application would be on the trust layer. So that for Web2 companies looking for tr trust-based applications and to make that smoother and, and easier for some of their systems, the blockchain might be one of the first places they would look and might be that might be the quickest form of integration. Is that correct or is that an oversimplification? So in some cases, this is correct and this is the actual value that is delivered, right? So for example, I do believe, as, like I'm Ukrainian, right? So for me, it is super, super familiar um, things like corruption in the governments, you know, uh, the absence of trust from the citizens to the government. And from that standpoint, uh, the trust uh, or the, this, this direct value that blockchain gives uh, to some of the use cases, for example, like land registries or procurement. Yeah. Uh, this is a pretty typical and straightforward thing, right? However, for some other use cases, uh, maybe the trust is not actually the uh, the core value that is that is uh, that that blockchain is able to give. So I'll give you just one example here. Um, and I'm super glad that you you touched touched base the the point that how the blockchain is going to make me more money right uh, from from the web too. So yeah. one of the pretty hot topics right now is um, a tokenization of real world assets. Um, imagine a stock, um, for example, or bonds that are put on the blockchain as as fungible tokens, and then they can be plugged in inside of the uh, DeFi ecosystem. So this particular move actually gives some tangible and pretty straightforward values. And first of all, uh, these assets can be fractionalized, so they can be split into pieces. And for example, in case we're talking about real estate, so that in case you tokenize every single square meter of a property, then the barrier of investing in this property is much lower. So you are able to cover a bigger market. And here you go. This is the first value that tokenization of a real estate can give to the companies, to the construction companies or the companies who are uh, the real estate agencies, right? So to the, the coverage of the wider market. Or the other value that can be brought here is that since blockchain is operating 24-7, uh, and all of the DeFi primitives are available there, it means that it's just easier to perform the transactions. They are always available, which means that the liquidity of the assets that are tokenized increases. And from that standpoint, this is absolutely equal to more efficient uh, capital deployment and capital usage. So this is another type of the value, right? As you can see, there is no direct connection with trust here. However, uh, these are the values that actually answering the questions how Web2 businesses are going to earn more money. So operational efficiencies in, um, in CEO speak. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I guess there have also been surprising case studies so i remember looking at digital collectibles on websites like nba topshop and if you look at that they were quite a smart business team they realized hey we wanted to use nfts but we also want a user experience and user interface that resembles web 2 because we want a mass audience using these things you know we want 
people who watch basketball to go to this website. And if it doesn't look and feel like other websites, they won't use it. So it was kind of an interesting case study because from a blockchain purist perspective, it was obviously not decentralized. It was obviously using a Web2 front end and mostly back end. And then it had that integration at the, you know, at the layer where it needed these NFTs. Do you think those kind of websites might be the best point of entry um, for blockchain entrepreneurs going forwards? Uh, perhaps. I think that it is super, super important to fix the blockchain user experience. And this is, this is one of the biggest challenges for the blockchain vertical. Uh, for sure, we need to remove the per-transaction payment uh, for, for users. Uh, we need to completely hide blockchain and put it down the stack. Because I'll give you just one example. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a YouTube user. I'm watching videos on the YouTube. Uh, YouTube is throwing at me very, very simple business model. It's either I need to watch ads or I need to pay a YouTube premium subscription, right? But inside, every time when I'm watching a single video, uh, I'm hitting the YouTube content delivery network and some servers are serving me the videos. I'm probably hitting the Cloudflare servers that are also distributing the load and tons of other systems. And I'm not paying a fraction of a cent to Cloudflare every single time when I'm watching a video. Yeah. And there is a big sense of it because it is just complicated. I, it is like, it's just insane cognitive load on the user. I'm not used to this stuff. And, uh, uh, and Web2World is operating the following way. I'm a, I'm, I'm a creator of a product. I'm putting all of my costs of all of the services that I'm using inside of my business model and then exposing to the user only the business model. And blockchain has failed in this. The business model of the layer one where the product is working is directly exposed into the eyes of the user. And this is wrong. Because of this, it is complicated. Because of this, we don't see any mass adoption. Uh, because of this, it is extremely hard to explain to Web2 people why he is paying a fee for a swap, but also he is paying a fee for the execution of the transaction. right? So, um, so that is something that, from my point of view, needs to be uh, solved here. And uh, yeah, we really, really need to need to make things better. So, on that note, uh, how is Aurora Dev trying to solve some of these problems? I mean, let's talk about jargon to begin with. So, you go to your website, and uh, you know, let's say you're a Web two user. You're thinking, hey, this Aurora thing sounds pretty cool. A platform, a platform based on the near protocol for blockchain developers to build pioneering and scalable dApps. So why should everyone care about that? Why is that cool? Um, and what are you guys adding to the ecosystem? Yeah, so um, I would probably focus right now more on, the, on our latest product that we released. It is called Aurora Cloud. And yeah. the idea behind it that this is this is a set of products that that is helping blockchain oh, businesses to to blockchainize themselves. I was touch basing on this point uh, in the very very beginning, and the idea there is uh, is pretty simple. We are allowing any business to launch their own 
um, kind of blockchain or a mini blockchain or as we call it blockchain container um, where they are able to get predictable costs of, of running this container they are able to get predictable um, uh, amount of computations that this container can handle uh, and they are able to also introduce their their own rules for example they may let inside of this container not everybody but only KYC users yeah. or AML uh, money and stuff like that um, the core pieces uh, of of what we're doing and the core differentiators there is that all of these containers are not separated in between each other they are actually working on top of this near protocol which is a which is a layer one that is scalable it has a it is so-called sharded right so it can scale um, under the load and uh, all of these containers this mini evm networks are connected to each other and can can query data can use resources from one network to another uh, for example liquidity uh, and stuff like that so they are composable and from our point of view uh, this is the way how to scale evm solutions and why we're focusing on evm solutions is because evm smart contracts and tools around evm are a de facto standard uh, for the blockchain ecosystem it is much easier to develop for evm in solidity with all of the with all of the sdks that are available there so um, kind of you know if if we will zoom out a little bit uh, we are trying to implement the ethereum 2.0 future in its initial uh, uh, vision when Ethereum starts to be sharded and there is a communication in between shards and then on every particular shard there is just an ordinary EVM. This is actually what Aurora Cloud is delivering, though it is just not named Ethereum 2.0. Yeah. From my personal point of view, the current direction with rollups, unfortunately, it only segregates and splits the Ethereum ecosystem into pieces actually complicating the uh, complicating the interactions in between the different chains there is no easy way how a an application from arbitrum is able to call an application on optimism or even use liquidity you know or even something more complicated than that this is literally impossible right now so instead of working in this disjointed siloed future we're building a future that is jointed and has a network effect for every single business that is deploying on the network and one last thing i know that it, it takes a little bit too long from our point of view the protocol or the infrastructure there is completely irrelevant right and we've introduced a thing that is called a, a protocol level meta transactions which allow products to pay for the execution of the transactions and for this they don't need to modify their code and so on so in case i am a decentralized youtube that is working on top of aurora cloud uh, then i'm able to make sure that user does not see uh, the per transaction payments at all and then the blockchain business model 
or the protocol business model is not exposed to him. So I am able to expose to my user whatever business model that I would like to have. For example, just watching ads or paying a subscription. But then in the backend, still user has his own private key, still he is in control of his uh, own assets and his uh, you know, store of value and governance powers. Um, and he's able to interact with the blockchain. It is just me, the YouTube, who is paying for these transactions. It sounds a lot like you dislike the centralization of Web2, but you do enjoy its elegance and its ease of use. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, going back to your consensus discussion, because there was another really interesting section where you asked yourself, well, what is it that's good about Web2? And what is it that Web2 companies want? You talked about operations and and, and the container. You talked about the Ethereum virtual machine uh, and the importance of no vendor lock-in. Um, you compared connectivity and composability. Wasn't entirely sure what that meant. And then you talked about the usual things like SDK, compliance licenses, uh, I think you've already mentioned a great UX. But just going back to that point, there did seem to be things that you could identify where you said, yes, these these are important ways that we can augment and make Web2 better right now. Um, yeah, I mean, Web2 businesses, they know how to operate. In comparison with Web3 businesses, that uh, are hardly able to find the product market fit. I mean, I'm super tired from from entrepreneurs in Web3 that are coming to me and saying, hey, Alex, so I've built this great thing and I'm saying super great. And he's saying, now I would, not, would like to deploy it on Aurora. And I'm saying, deploy it. <laughs> and then he says, I need you to pay me money. And I'm, am I your client? Is it, is it me who is, who is your client? I can help yeah. you out a little bit with this stuff. But it is not me who is your client. You need to sell your product to your client, right? And from that standpoint, web two businesses are are much more focused. They they know how to find the product market fit. Uh, they they know how to how to set up a great value proposition, um, and they are able to to actually earn money right uh, out of out from this. There is a very very few. Uh, blockchain companies who are who know how to how to how to actually sell uh, and and have a, a positive um, a PNL. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, and for them, they are you know these businesses are very very focused on 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 their operations. They know that things right now are working out for them. They do not want to have lots of disruption. They would like to, some of them would like to explore blockchain technology as an enhancement, right? Something that can either cut the costs or, uh, or increase their sales, right? Through better value proposition, right? Uh, and things like that. Um, and yeah, exactly. This is what I was uh, talking about in, in that speech um, and, and putting more attention uh, of, the, of everyone who is building anything inside of the blockchain space that hey, take a look at, at, at the, the, the good businesses that are operating in Web2 and try to think like them, right? Don't try to, to execute pump and dump schemes uh, on the, like, like something that we see on meme coins, 
because this is not sustainable, right? Uh, I, I, do you really want to spend your the time of your life uh, into into this type of stuff? Uh, well, for me, it is sure the answer no. Let's better to build something that is going to be useful uh, for a longer period of time and help the whole world to get better through using the blockchain. Yeah, that's those are really interesting arguments. I couldn't help thinking about video games when you're talking about some of that. And there's a big debate, you know, in gaming as to whether to use some of these um, new systems such as in-game currencies or NFTs. And a lot of the time the argument is, you know, the technology isn't ready, it's clunky, uh, it doesn't work as fluidly as as we want, but the business case is pretty clear. So it's one of those funny sectors where actually the business case is kind of clear, but they're not sure what the choice of technological application will be and how it might affect, you know, the consumer experience within the game. Um, well, but... I can actually comment here yeah, um, please. On, on the games. Um, we, we do have a, a pretty large uh, gaming studio. It is one of the top 10 on, on the size, on the sales gaming studio in the world, who is right now integrating with Aurora. What's it called? And... You, you guys have to hook us up. We'll do an episode with them. But anyway, uh, unless it's uh, uh, top secret. It is for now. It is yet top secret. Um, so wow, exciting! The only thing that I can, you know, say that this this is one of the top. This is a top ten uh, gaming studio in the world, right? So, um, uh, yeah, and um, for them, the use case is, is pretty straightforward, right? Yeah. Their use case yeah. is is the following: the more engaged a user is or a player is, the more he spends money. Kind of that's super simple, and he and because from the his engagement he gets more emotions, and it is just better for him to like he feels the game better, right? And uh, from that standpoint, NFTs and being in control of some things like gaming currency or or, or the items. Uh, uh, this gives quite a lot of engagement. And for them, obviously, it is super, super important that the ordinary flow of how the users are, are going through the game is not disrupted that much, right? In case he needs to do KYC, buy some crypto, uh, bridge it from to the other blockchain, execute transactions there. Exactly, exactly. That's, that's from, not going to work in a gaming system. Yeah, exactly. It is not going to work, right? It's, it's, it's absolutely not, not the case. So what I was telling you about the, the simplification and moving the blockchain down the stack, that was actually the reason for them to choose Aurora to integrate with. Wow, because their users, uh, we're kind of eliminating all of the onboarding hurdles for their users. It is Gaming Studio who is paying for user transactions. They understand what is going, they have their own silo, right, or their own container. They understand how many transactions this container can handle and what is going to be the price for these transactions, right? So they are able to do projections in their, um, in, in their P&L sheets, right, in their budgets. So they know everything here and they need to pay for the execution of these transactions. So, okay, which means that at the moment when user starts to execute their transactions, they need to understand that the user is going to pay to them through their own undisrupted business model, 
the amount that is higher than than what they are spending on the blockchain solution, right? And uh, and for a user, he still gets a a wallet, yeah, kind of the place that he believes is is his his own and which is in fact his own because on his device uh, there is a key. Uh, right, and there is, uh, there is a, this is the only place where the key is, and then he he executes and he gets a more engagement with, with this particular thing. So, uh, at, but he doesn't need to buy crypto. He just looks at his phone, and then the transaction is signed, and and that's it. He's not spending any any penny here. It is it is the um, the gaming studio who is paying to the Aurora protocol, uh, their money for the execution of this transaction. There is, there is no exposure of crypto to the user. There is no exposure of the complexities, speeding up of the transactions and stuff like that. So this thing is working already right now. It is available for everybody. Uh, and even the simple uh, wallet uh, that allows to onboard Web2 users easily onto Aurora or, and onto any Aurora chain or Aurora container, uh, this wallet is going to be um, released in the following couple of weeks. It is called Aurora Pass and there is no notion of per transaction fee there. That's exciting and you're right, you know, within a gaming envi environment, seeing all of the um, machinery behind the scenes and waiting for it and dealing with the transactions, not great. But if they can hide that and make it fluid and fast, that could uh, really solve a lot of problems. On that note, I mean, it's optimistic. Some of the use cases you're talking about, particularly the last one, are optimistic. Do you think blockchain can have a much better decade ahead or even a much better five years ahead than the decade it's had so far? Whereas, you know, it's almost been a bit like early AI, so a lot of a lot of hope and hype, but never quite arrived. Do you think blockchain is going to have a breakthrough moment when you know a lot of websites it becomes the de facto kind of system in ten years' time, or do you think there's a very hard learning curve ahead for the community that could take a good couple of years at the least? So I think it is like a mix of of two factors that are going to um, reveal the, the true value of the blockchain. First one is, is to convince Web2 companies to, uh, to actually use blockchain and show them the results that uh, their business becomes more profitable because of this, right? In this direction, I believe the world already has found particular use cases where it absolutely makes sense. These are financial use cases, tokenization of real-world assets, some engagement things like with gaming and so on. But there is also another thing. I, I don't believe that it is going to... Uh, only this reasoning is going to uh, create a leap forward for the blockchain. There is also another thing that I believe is, is pretty crucial. And this is black swan events with the centralized systems. Uh, the more people are going to see defaults of countries, the more people are going to see uh, 
you know, bad politicians and corruptions, and especially, for example, problems with elections. The more people are going to ask questions that, hey, it seems like the system is not working properly, and it seems like somebody just fooled me, the more they are going to understand that a blockchain can be a backbone of a much better world and uh, the drastic changes are going to happen uh, in, in this world, right? Because, again, as I said, if you will take a look at, at the Western world, um, Europe and uh, US, in general, people are well, kind of they're looking at, at the government and they are not very uh, upset about them. Yes, trust is not that high, but they are living in a world that I is think, more or less okay. I, I think Balaji and, and some of the people on Twitter in the United States might disagree oh, with yeah. you a little bit on that one. But but yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. all relative, right? But, yeah, exactly. There, there, there are voices, right? Uh, and this is good. Uh, but for people, you know, in Eastern Europe, like we just from the from the very first year of our life we know that the government is corrupted we know that there are tons of manipulations um, uh, on on elections right all of this stuff it's, it's just like in our blood and that's why you are able to see that the um, the blockchain scene in the um, in the countries that are uh, you know kind of secondary is is quite is significant significant very good penetration exactly. like all the best developers or, exactly exactly yep. or just think of vietnam right a country where mm -hmm. everybody knows about blockchain everybody are the holders of the of, the, of some kind of crypto crypto yeah right? yeah and uh, you know in and in venezuela bitcoin or i saw you guys have been working with venezuela country close to my heart great country uh, not directly but there is a pretty large community or yeah. community in general in latam makes right? sense we're one of the yeah. latam community yeah i think i saw that so, i thought saw that online yeah 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 so so the combination of these two factors uh i think they are going to uh, enable a leap forward for the blockchain Ordinary businesses will just start earning money more, uh, earning more money, and, and because of this, they are going to you know start using it. Uh, and from the other standpoint, people will also understand that in case I'm working with a business that is not using this thing, well, maybe at some point in time, I'm going to lose everything sure. within this business. Well, and maybe we... it's better to hold money in DeFi instead of a traditional bank, because bank potentially can go bankrupted and then the country government is not going to bail bail it out of course and and so. yeah i mean uae tech podcast has always had a policymaker government thread running through it so we've had multiple discussions from the blockchain community on the geopolitics of uh bitcoin and cryptocurrencies on bretton woods on the um attractiveness of decentralization you know these geopolitical arguments we've had some some really good discussions on this it's a really complicated area it's an area where you need to know your history you need to know international relations finance uh, as you said you know 
cultural experiences, uh, how how someone relate relates to the state, and I think there's a really good argument there. Um, but it's also a bit like, and it's one I have a lot of sympathy for and interest in. But I also think it's a bit like the origins, where the blockchain community is saying you know, let's replace Web 2. And we have this geopolitical argument that I think a lot of people believe in and is accurate. But then we also have the global regulators and we have Mika and we have the new rules coming in. And we have the fact that if you're a virtual asset service provider or if you're doing KYC or AML, ultimately you are still working to some extent within uh, the remit of a nation state. So if we're going to have this big discussion, what is the answer is, is the answer, you know, kind of global internet ecosystem where we have kind of a global regulator or, or uh, smart contract regulation, and it's all automated. Um, what is the end, you know, the end game for all of this? Because obviously, a lot of the vision you've described, while a lot of it might be happening in pockets of the world, we also have a regulate uh, a kind of regulation movement coming in very fast and very hard in Europe, in Asia, and in the United States. So, so I'm going to put some some points here. So, first of all, I do believe that regulation is something that is long awaited for the blockchain industry, and this is one of and the absence of it is one of the factors why blockchain is not that big. Second thing is that I believe that the blockchain is going to split into two pieces. One that is going to be completely permissionless, uh, open to everybody, and, and the majority of people are going to be afraid to touch it. This is going to be something like a dark net uh, for okay. inside of the yeah. ordinary internet. It will. It is going to be there, but and, and there we're going to see tornado cash style applications, right? But Which I are very easy to that... track as well, right? So true. Yeah, true. true. But still, but still, is going to be kind of super permissionless, right? Uh, and there, there will be compliant solutions. The solutions and networks that are going to comply with the with the local regulations. They might be uh, located within a single country or potentially a kind of consortium of countries where the regulations yeah. are similar, for example, like European Union. And that will be absolutely okay. I, um, so, uh, so, and there will be lots of these solutions and lots of, lots of the uh, compliance around it. I'm, I'm looking very, very positive with uh, everything that UAE is doing in, in terms of the, in putting in place the regulation. Uh, Aurora Labs is incorporated in Gibraltar. Gibraltar is also doing pretty good with regulations. Um, so, so super, super good. Really looking forward into this. And it's great that governments are starting to pay attention uh, to this particular problem. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we had someone uh, uh, on a previous ep episode who said something very similar. Uh, she was actually French. She was based in Paris. And she said she was in one of the first countries in the world to try and figure out a basic rule book for how this would work. And she talked a lot about the European experience and, and how she thinks it will make it easier for a lot of people to get on that ladder in Europe, whereas before they couldn't get investment, they couldn't get traction, and they were finding it very hard to build their companies up. So I think, you know, 
in in the beginning it makes a lot of sense that does make a lot of sense we'll have to see how whether or not blockchain will become like the printing press in the 16th century and alter history itself i think that that's a little bit further away we'll have to wait and see but alex thank you so much for your time today that was a very illuminating chat not just on aurora but on the past and future of the blockchain as well john my pleasure i hope everybody are going to enjoy this yeah they definitely will thanks a lot alex sponsor information the uae tech podcast is distributed by alboaba business free of charge to sponsor a single episode or a series of themed episodes please contact our editorial team or download a sponsorship press pack sponsors receive an article on alboaba business syndication distribution on alboaba syndicate email direct marketing across the region and brand inclusion across all podcast marketing design audio and video formats Alboaba is not a PR company and we do retain editorial discretion and quality control as an independent publisher. Companies looking to support a dialogue on technological transformation in the UAE are encouraged to contact our team.